Blessed you are and I, our God, King of the universe, who set us apart in order to sanctify us with his commandments and instructed us to occupy ourselves with the words of the Torah. Adonai, our God, please make the words of your Torah pleasant in our mouths and in the mouths of your people, the family of Israel, so that we, our offspring and the descendants of your people, the family of Israel, all of us, may be knowers of your name and learners of your Torah, Lishma, or for its own sake. Blessed you, Adonai, who teaches Torah to his people, Israel. Blessed you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who chose us from all the nations of the world to give us his Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. I am reading through the Shulchan Aruch, and I am the Code of Jewish Law. I am highlighting everything that we're supposed to do. I was going to go through and highlight everything that negated or nullified the Torah, but I went through the first volume, couldn't find anything. So I decided I'd just highlight what we're supposed to do, and then we'll talk about that. It's five volumes. Oh, that'd be the whole thing. Well, yeah, but it's in, it's in, in that one, it's in verse form. It says he should do this, and then after he does that, he should do this, and this is why, and, you know, and, and I just, I'm looking for the meat, you know. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm sure we have a full house because we're talking about rabbinic authority and its uh, role in our lives. So, uh, Without uh, further adieu, we'll get to it if I can get my uh, Hoover to work. Thank you. Okay. Is that right? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, As we approach this particular hour, I've made some presuppositions. Some things that I would think we all agree on. So since I'm not sure if we all agree on those presuppositions, I think I'll review them. (laughs) Presupposition number one, cue the music from Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition. Good. Um, I am just assuming or making the presupposition that traditions are actually encouraged or are expected in our walk. The uh, apostolic writings use two Greek words to talk about traditions because we don't have traditions in the Tanakh. They were living it, right? I mean, it, it wasn't a tradition. It was a fact. We talk about traditions as we see the, uh, the Gentiles come in and, and we, we see a thrust for the evangelism of the Gentiles. Is that focused or is it a little blurry? You okay? It's focused. Okay. It's the chalk. It's the chalk. Okay. Etho. Etho is, a pre- is prescribed by habit or law. Prescribed by habit or law. That would be a a tradition. Parodicis. Parodicis is a transmitted precept or tradition. These are the two words that are used. Okay. So, I'm assuming that you've read 1 Corinthians 11.2. Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I deliver them to you. How would he have delivered them, those traditions, to this ecclesia, or this congregation, this assembly, this gathering? How would he have done that? Orally. Sure. And 
by showing and demonstrating those traditions. So he's commending them because they're maintaining the traditions. I think Baptists do real well with traditions. It's just whose traditions are you gonna are you gonna keep, right? Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse fifteen, and he does it again in chapter three. He says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. So he either told them about the traditions or he actually wrote to them about the traditions. And I think Jonathan's right. He probably demonstrated those traditions as well. Okay? So, do we agree that traditions are either encouraged or expected in our walk? Everybody okay? All right. That was preposition or presupposition number one. The second one is on elders and authorities. And I'm presupposing that elders and some type of, of authority is necessary in our lives and in our walk, in our faith. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think we need some kind of an authority? Or do you think that each man is a priest unto Hashem and he can do his own deal? What, what are we thinking there? What's right in his own eyes would be, I guess, would be bad. That's a great question, Rick. And right now, I'm specifically speaking of living elders, a person that I can go to, someone that I can ask. I think there needs to be an authority structure over us, and I think that's taught very well in the church, and that's where we see more of a high church order looking for some type of accountability. But not to discount the others, because we're going to get to that one as well. I've got a couple of scriptures for you. These from the Tanakh, I could have, I mean... We would have been here all night if I wanted to continue this. Um, I found almost 400 references uh, along these lines. Uh, just two for those that are listening from, uh, actually from Wisconsin or Canada tonight. Um, hello to the Lensmeyers. Exodus chapter 24 and verse 1. Then he said to Moshe, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadav and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Now just grammatically, what do you get about the elders that he just said? They're important people, grammatically. God appointed them, perhaps, okay. Say again. I would say something different than there are 70. Those don't Johnny. There's a lot more than 70. There's got to be more than 70. Grammatically, there's got to be more because I want you to bring 70 of them up. More importantly, there's more than one. There is more than one. And in in here, grammatically, we can see there's more than 70 elders. There's almost a hierarchy of those elders. These are the guys. Oh, let's not jump to conclusions. I've got another one here. Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moshe, Gather for me, gather for me, 70 men of the the elders of Israel. Same kind of concept, yes? Whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them take their stand there with you. What does he do then? 
smicha. He takes some of the authority off of Moses and spreads it like peanut butter on the other elders. But more importantly, he says, whom you know to be elders, yeah. be the elders, it is certainly different from what's implied in Exodus. Yes, that's exactly right. Elders appear to be well-known to be elders versus being appointed to be elders. Exactly right. There seems to be a character that's known And now what we read in the apostolic scriptures makes a lot more sense. Where Paul tells Timothy, hey, I want you to pick elders, not by their last name, not just because they're Italian, although that's always a good way, but perhaps because of the the way they are, or by vote. Right, yes, sir. I get Uh, you next. The first pitch, I believe this is the first, I'm not aware of another incident prior to this, but... Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But the first introduction to the concept of 70 elders, if you will, is a few chapters prior, Exodus chapter 18, yeah. where Jethro exhorts Moses. He's judging. The what, what are you doing? He's like, come on, you can't do this. There's, this is too much work yeah. for one person to bear. You're going to get worn out. And he says in verse... Um, he says in verse... Uh, starting in verse 19 of chapter 18. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God and then teach them the statutes and the laws made known to them and made, make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of the people able men who fear God, men of truth, who hate dishonest gain, and you shall place these over them as leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and of tens. Let them judge the people at all times, and it be that every major dispute they will bring to you, but every minor dispute they themselves will judge, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, which presumably God so did, right? Because he does it. Right. Then you will be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. So the key, the key there is the qualifications of who is an elder. Men, able men who fear God, men of truth who hate dishonest gain. Right, and 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 those are kind of broad. I mean, fear God—that's a broad that encompasses a lot, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, you, I mean, just to kind of dovetail on these verses that you. Picked out. I mean, the elders, um, by definition, are godly men. Yes. Have to be. By well, definition. Well, I would offer that, as Judaism recognizes, there's there's dispute whether Jethro's advice was good advice or man's advice. Well, I mean, the church thousands, does the same thing. The thousands. That's right. Thousands, hundreds, tens is certainly not what God said. And, and although we might be able to say Jethro's advice is good godly advice, and actually it's not against what God said, right. we can't always backfill it and say that's what God said because that isn't what God said. Yeah. We've also got, though, this reference to the officers in Numbers 11. And I, I tend to th- see those as kind of drawing the two together to a certain extent because I don't think Jethro was wrong. Or I think I think we would have. I'm not saying he's he's wrong, but his prescription was 
Not the six. Was, thousands, hundreds, tens. God never says thousands, hundreds, Yes, he, he does break it down. But we do get this concept of this hierarchy. And other than Kohenim and Leviim, we're never given a hierarchy That's true. That is true. That is true. Yes, sir. He got it. Yeah. Yes, sir. I was going to say, and also the concept of elders predates God saying, you know, uh, bring up these elders. Because even in Egypt, before they're actually redeemed, there's still elders that are talking. That's, that's exactly right. Um, beforehand, he, uh, God says specifically to Moses, gather the elders, tell them this, and they will, it's like a double tap, and they will, uh, they will listen to you. Numbers 27.20, you shall invest him, who? With some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. Who? Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. All right, so we're good on elders and authorities. We at least agree that there are elders and authorities. And finally, wisdom. I would presuppose that wisdom comes from many counselors, Right? Um, even a multitude of counselors, depending on your translation. And certainly in Proverbs 3, and again, here's another one where I could have pulled out a hundred of these guys. Blessed, Proverbs 3.13, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Well, where is he going to find it and get it? Proverbs 11.14, where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs 13.10, in the second half of the verse, with those who take advice is Wisdom, and I can go on and on. Would you agree that it's never a bad idea to ask for some good counsel, especially if you're asking it from some good men? Yes? Okay. Well, if that's the case, then uh, let's talk about authorities. Now, you may disagree slightly with my uh, layout here. Um, but I'm not talking about the fact that individuals need to take responsibility for their actions or there is an individual responsibility that we acknowledge. That's not an authority. Do we understand what I'm saying? The fact that you've got to take responsibility for your deeds is not an authority. Absolutely. And here's the first one, and I'm going to try and go as, as minuscule and then grow broadly with your help as I can. First would be the husband over his wife. This seems to be an acknowledged biblical authority. Would you agree with that? Okay, okay. So moving from there, what would you say the second one on my slide is? Good. I actually put a father over his son. Same thing. You pluralize it. No problem. But a father over his son. Absolutely. So we see a, a little bit of... Uh, growth here. And, and what about the third one then? Okay. Um, I, I was trying to stay strictly within the faith, but that's good. I think a little bigger than I was at, though. I think you got one before that one. Well, then now, now you've got the priest is really not an authority over anything other than the purview of the temple and what has to happen there. I've got another one, though. Because that's not necessarily an authority, but an acknowledged structure. I put the elders within the local communities. Because that's what Paul was talking about. And that's what Moshe certainly was talking about when they were in the, in the wilderness and in Egypt. That the elders within the local communities would be there as an acknowledged authority. Right? Would you agree? As I'm going 
you're trying to get uh, greater and greater purview. So the husband is dealing with his wife. The father is dealing with his son. As a question, he's looking for some guidance. He's looking for um, some answers. Who's he going to go to? Well, going to the elders within a local community seems like a good idea. Certainly going to other heads of households, but going to some elders would be, well, what's the, what's the next logical deal? You've got a local community in uh, Asheville, and they have uh, ways that they do things and things that are uh, dealing with their locale and their specific circumstance in their community, and we have others and deal with different things in our community. So what then would draw them all together? I mean, building a hierarchy here so that we like district elders. I, I would think. Yeah, I would think. Exactly. Sooner or later, we're going to get to elders over the Israel of God, right? Elders over the, the whole deal to bring that unity and maintain that unity. We see this through the history of Israel as the Samaritans were lighting signal fires and trying to fake out the Jews to have them start their festivals on the wrong night. It was the elders of Israel as a whole that would say, now this is how we're going to do it. We see um, later on in the uh, Geonim period that in the beginning of that time period, as Israel is in exile, they were looking back to Babylon, right? To the Gaon, to the Geonim for rules and authorities and decisions regarding all of Israel. So that even planet-wide, there could be a unity and a consistency in the walk of faith. We, we, we all understand? Okay. Well, yeah, I've I stopped after, you know, yeah, so we got Yeshua and so forth. And, of course, Yeshua in his, in his humanity is, is even giving himself um, a subservient role to the Father. So... Okay, so here we uh, here 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 we get on a little thin ice. Okay, so here's the work with me now. Yeah, I believe that there are only three categories of authority. Three categories of authority. If I'm going to now try and define all the authorities on the planet that would come to bear in my life, I'm not talking about you. We're talking about my life. I'm thinking these authorities are in only one of three distinct categories. Let me uh, move you through it. I think that there are Jewish authorities that can come to bear in my life. Jewish authorities. I'm not a Jew, but there are certainly Jewish authorities out there, right? The first would be those that are rabbinic, or we might call them Talmudic, or even orthodox. And you can take any flavor you want there. I think that there's other Jewish ones, perhaps the Hasid, or the Haredi, or what some would call the ultra-orthodox. These are also Jewish authorities out there. Now, whether I recognize them as authorities in my life, they're still authorities. They're out there. I may dis just diss them and say, well, I don't recognize them as a legitimate authority over me. And finally, the Karite or the conservative 
Or I would even throw the Messianic in there. Not to say that the Messianic are Karaites, but this is a different category from Rabbinic or Hasidic. We've got the Karitic or Messianic. Just a different perspective. And you see where I'm coming from now. We've got Jewish authorities out there that are falling in three different perspectives, generally, of how they would interpret what we're to do, the Halakha were to have. Is everybody with me? Does that make sense? Well, I didn't know, you know, and, and I don't want you, I want to give, I'm, I'm looking for a little leeway. Give me, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to, give me a little room here. I, I, I put the conservative and the Karite together, right? I put the Messianic on the same line as the Karite because a lot of times we see the Messianics at times are a rebellious type of lot and they don't want to have anything to do with some of these other ones. Well, that's the same type of nonsense we hear from the Karaites, right? And the conservatives, some of the most glaring and terrible acidic commentary on the orthodox or ultra-orthodox lifestyle comes from the conservative Jewish community. I had a conservative Jew look me in the eye when I was talking about wrapping tefillin, and he said, yeah, oh, those... those, those ultra-Orthodox, I mean, they just give a bad name to Judaism. It's terrible. You know, I'm, I'm ashamed to be associated with them. And I'm thinking to myself, but you're not associated with them. You're in a completely different bullet point on my slide. So, um, Jewish, Jewish authorities. So this is one category. Now, what do you suppose the next slide is? The Gentile authorities. That's my son. Okay. So again, bear with Bear with my categorization within the categories. I'm just looking for a way to get them all out there. I think we've got the Presbyterian, or we might call them supersession, or the replacement, or even the covenant Gentile authorities out there, right? Now, good, bad, ugly, doesn't. that's not my point. It's just they're a recognized authority in the Gentile world. Now, whether we want to recognize it or not, is a different story. I think, second, we, we look at the flip side, right? The Baptist, the dispensational, or those that would uh, uh, or be focused on grace. Yes? Okay. And, and the third one? Pentecostal, or the charismatic, or those that's, that, that are, are mostly led by the Spirit, right? So I, I think, you know, us all being Gentiles, we can associate and see differences in the perspectives and the authority structure or uh, authority guidance that these folks would give me in my life, right? One might say, yes, the law... Lo- I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I thought about first breaking it down into Protestant and Catholic you know, and ecumenical and, you know, just going through it that way. But it seems so generic. So I wanted to, I wanted to try and get something. But, uh, but I agree, yes. I mean, there's, there's a broad brush out there just like there is in Judaism, right? It's well, not monolithic. The Vatican is a well-regarded... Big time in authority. Most are much of Christian. You bet. Exactly right. So uh, not, to, not, to, not to throw those out in any way. Um, but just from my own background on the Protestant side, I, I, I went this way. Uh, but you can see that uh, I might receive counsel from a Gentile authority that is predisposed to tell me that the law is good and should be kept. But 
that they've divided into three categories and two of them don't matter now, or one doesn't matter, whatever the case might be, and you know, or another one that would, would just completely diss the whole Torah and and focus totally on grace, or another one that would say that oh, I've got the spirit, so I don't need any other authority because the spirit's there, or whatever. You know. Well, you know, now now you've got a question if if the Mormons are actually, you know. Uh, an authority in and of itself. I would suggest that the third and final category is the self-authority. And I've, I've struggled with trying to categorize these because all I did was write down your names in a pot and come out with what I thought. No, I didn't do that. Um, I think the, the first, I, I just, and again, you know, cut me some slack on the categories. I'm just trying to get a list out here. The, the honest believer, the, the one who truly wants to know the truth more than he wants to be right. The, the Berean, searching the scriptures. The, the man who just has a simple faith that the scriptures is what he needs, right? And, and he can take it from there. As opposed to those that are rebellious, those that are proud, or even foolish in their own speculation. And then finally, the skeptical one, or uh, perhaps the anti-Semitic um, I would maybe categorize them as naive, not recognizing that there's a lot of differences there. So you see, you see where I'm coming. Yes? You might get to this in just a second, but you have made three categories of authority. Yes. Perceived authorities. Right. Um, I guess I'm a little confused at maybe we should have defined authorities because it sounds like you've given us three categories of like where we could take Advice. Yes. Perceived authorities. Right. Wouldn't an authority be something... Wouldn't an authority be by, like an by, all or nothing? Yes. By definition, an authority would be an absolute. Okay. Uh, what a, a perceived authorities. This is where people would, would look to for those authorities in order to get that wise counsel. You're right. They're not really authorities, perhaps. So now I would want to go back now and review based on that same comment, because that's exactly where I'm going. And, and uh, kind of in line with that, maybe less of an abstract is, uh, a concrete example is, uh, Catholics, by definition, do not believe that birth control is permitted at all. And why not? Because the Pope says no. The authority the said authority no. The authority says no. However, so you, people who would fall into that second category, okay, Gentile, I accept the Catholic Church's authority, but we know that American Catholics, by an unbelievable majority, according to the polls, don't agree with that point. 89%. So the question would be, from where are they receiving not all of their authority, because you imply all or nothing, but rather where do they get the general idea? What I would would offer is that 99% of humans fall into this page right here, and they go into the rebellious, proud, foolish. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, and, and, and what is it that, that has us here on a Tuesday night? I would submit that we care about which page we're on. That's really the bottom line. We've come to understand that the guy standing up there in the pulpit, the Gentile standing up there in the pulpit, who's telling us that the Torah is no more, and it was a great burden, and aren't we glad that Jesus freed us from it, may not actually be correct. And we're looking for the proper biblical authorities in our lives. And that's what tonight's class is all about, now that we've kind of fleshed out how many we've got. Yeah. 
is our personal responsibility to search the scriptures as the final authority and to, um, to try everything that's being taught to us by those perceived authorities. Yes. Yes, and to that end, Ken, I put the word simple there because many who profess to be a Berean, and that's all it takes, have sometimes a simplistic view towards the whole view or towards the whole situation. Here's an example. Um, The scripture says, don't go out of your place on Shabbat. We see this walked out by the master in that he went a Sabbath day's journey. So we study the scriptures as Bereans. Is it a proper thing to be concerned about how far we travel on Shabbat? We would say as Bereans, of course. We would then say, yes, Sabbath day's journey. But it's not as simple as that, is it? Because now... The scripture doesn't tell us how far a Sabbath day's journey is. When the book of Jude is quoting from the Midrash Shabbat, it's kind of, so it's in there. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, I'm with you 100%, man, and I agree. That's a responsibility, but I want to make sure that we don't just say, well, I've got the scriptures, because that's too simple. We need to make sure that we recognize there's more. You, Daniel, we'll just go around. Yes? Well, I was just going to say, to that point, though, it's, it's a really delicate balance because you can't just question everything that an authority says. I was just thinking of First uh, Peter 5 where he says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Like, that's it's just an unquestioned, I'm doing what you say. So you have to have, like, a balance there, I think. And that's where it comes like a... Uh, a formal appeal process or something like that would come into play, almost similar to where a child wouldn't just say, no, I don't believe that's right to their parents. They would have to go about it in a very... In a, yeah. They would have to take a different approach. In a proper way. Just say, like, I know better. And yeah. but, but to Ken's point, you can't even begin to use the protocol or second-guess it unless you've already been the Berean and you know the Scriptures, yeah. as is your responsibility. Uh, to the point of being simple, more times than not, and actually, this is where I, this is where I was often put up. Many people actually in in uh, you know officially in Christendom today is many congregants. They just assume that their biases are are correct. Right. And and many many people, you know, when they're given just like the Sabbath day journey, they'd be like, no, like don't know. You know, they would they would be shocked that they that how much they don't know and are depending upon others. Exactly. And not as Luther incorrectly told us, that all we need is the Scripture. Right. Or as the Pentecostals or the Charismatics would say, is all we need is the Spirit. And, and that's where I'm coming from with the simple thing. This is not to say all brains are simple. Or, no. well, honest people are simple. That's not it. That's, that's not why that's there. It's the idea that it's not quite as simple as it appears to be. There's, there's other things that we need to deal with. Yes, sir? Yeah, it, it, I mean, to pick up on Kent's point, I don't think any of us would ever say that we are to abrogate, you know, our responsibility for studying the scripture to a pastor, to a rabbi, to, to a anybody, to, a, to anybody, right? Because that's clearly not taught in the scripture either. So, so I, 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 you're right. There's a there's a framework in which the scripture lays out that we we operate, um, and we can't just 
you know, we can't just blindly follow anyone. Exactly. Because that's fraught with error. Uh, nor can we just take the attitude that all I need is... And I got all it. I, all I need is the Spirit. I'm the island. Is the, is the Scripture. Yeah. I don't need to consult anybody else. Right. Because that is also not... That's also fraught with error. Exactly. Which is why, why we've got that presupposition in there. Yeah. And, and that's why I've got that presupposition in there before this, that we need to get wisdom from many counselors. You bet. Okay, so it sounds like we're all on the same sheet of music with regard to the, the various authorities or perceived authorities that may be out there. Um, so the, the question tonight is, as a believer, do I choose one from the list or many from the list? And then, regardless of how many authorities I've chosen, I think the question then becomes, from the nine that were placed, three Jewish, three Gentile, and three self, which one has authority and all the rest are perceived? I don't, I don't think this is going to take ten minutes I think we're going to have some raucous discussion about this, I'm hoping. I'm going to get my stool out so that we can talk about this because I'm pretty much done trying to fan the flames of... Uh, discontent. Discontent, whatever, yeah. All right. That's right. So who is the authority? I thought this is the coolest picture. found it on the Internet. Um, this is the uh, Netalat Yadayim blessing in... Uh, Hebrew, and then underneath it is actually written out in English. Uh, and you see this gorgeous set of sinks with the, um, with the paper towels in the little deals here. And we've got the pitchers to fill up. There's no sink that I can see, right? Or if it's a sink, it's pretty big, but it's designed to fill the pitchers so that you can pour and uh, do your washing. Um, okay, so here's... Uh, Here's my final kick you in the fanny, <laughs> kick sand in your face, and get it going. My faith is you. Now, we're just talking about me. We're not talking about you, so don't get all personal on me, right? We're talking about me and who my authority is, right? So my faith is Jewish. Now I got three authorities, so I'm I'm looking more at one than the other, and I've actually left, as it were, the professional Christendom. I've left the church. So do we really want to do what's right in our own eyes? That seems to be a bad idea. I have found in my own life, when I'm left to my own way of doing things, I normally dig a pretty deep hole that I've got to get out of. So really, the bottom line for me is, well, what's the problem with just looking at the Jewish authority, which is in place in my faith, since I've rejected the teaching, or some serious amounts of the teaching from the Gentile side, and I want to avoid my own authority, if I'm going to put myself under an authority, I'm just wondering, what's the problem with putting myself under any one of those Jewish authorities? Yes. Some are not following the master. Okay. 
and inspired, some are led of the rocks, some are not. Okay. So I can't really tell if somebody's led of the spirit or not, right? Well, I think I think in all of this, one element, I mean, the side of the spirit, we still need to pray. We still need to I mean, God is the one who gives us revelation. I don't think God is going to give me any revelation outside of his word. That's and I true, and I don't think that truth. Absolutely. And, truth. and he, I, I agree that he will guide us into all truth, and I agree that his word is truth. So I agree that he will guide me, but it doesn't say he will guide me by reading. He can guide me by reading the truth, but he can also guide me through a multitude of counselors, which is why I brought that up. There's no problem asking other people. No. So I guess my question is, if they're not a believer, now, this may be kind of weird, but as far as this authority thing is going, my thought on most of this is I really don't need an authority to tell me what to obey. The scripture tells me what to obey. At least in my walk, my questions are how to obey. Not what to obey. So if we're talking halakhic matters, I don't really care if the authority has acknowledged that Yeshua is the Messiah or if he's waiting for the Messiah. It doesn't really matter to me because halakhically, it has no bearing in my mind. Now your mileage may differ. I would offer that, although that's possible, it, there is historical evidence that's, that's not true. And an example is found in the book of Galatians where the halakhic authority in Jerusalem was, was saying one thing that was not only did not apply but was actually causing division within the congregation of the followers of Yeshua between Jew and Gentile and this is the issue that Paul was addressing so that when even Peter comes He's making a decision based upon a an authority, a Jewish authority, yeah, absolutely. that says halakhically, not belief. Right. Halakhically, can't eat with these I guys. Can't eat with these guys. Um, so, so in that regard, Paul was quite clear, and he says, we don't know if Paul was right or wrong, but if, if we want to accept that Paul was right, then he says Peter was wrong. He accepted an authority that was not the correct authority in that regard. And the issue to me in that in that question then becomes was Paul telling Peter to pick and choose? Or in other words, uh, take some authority on this side and uh, some authority on this side. Or was he saying look at it and see what the authority says and as Ken said earlier be the Brian and see if it lines up from with the Word of God. From a point of view, to me, that comes back to the third bullet point. Well, I don't think that Paul was saying do what's right in your own eyes. No, but he's picking and choosing. In other words, the, the arbiter is not the authority. The arbiter is me. I don't, I don't agree that, which authority, that that's... Which halakha am I going to choose to follow this? See, a Jew doesn't need to discuss this. He's raised, exactly orthodox, right. he's raised an orthodox congregation. He's just like, well, that's what we do. That's just what we do. Sure. I don't choose. But I guess my point is that I think Paul was trying to say to Peter, and, and again, I may be wrong, but I think Paul was saying, wait a minute. 
And if we flesh out his argument, it might have gone something like this. Pete, God himself showed you that the halakha is wrong through a vision. Now you were one special guy to get that vision. Why did you forget it? He was simply showing you that this halakha doesn't line up with the scriptures. And what does it apply in this situation? No, it's applies specifically. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was. Yeah, because the the not eating with someone like a Gentile, Gentile and other brethren came from James. He sat down and Paul confronted him. Because he had gone back to keeping the halakha when he actually went into Cornelius' home and said, first thing, you know it's not lawful for me to be in here. So he knew the halakha and he broke it before the vision. He knew the halakha and he was called on the carpet about it when he came back and he defended it. And then he went back on it. And I think that's where Paul's coming from. But you, you raise a good point. And I think in my simple mind, in regards to anything that, will, that, that is Gentile-related in halakha, that's what the majority of the British is about. And, and that's the prevailing halakhic difference um, between the Messianic community at that time. And, it, and I think, while it had big implications, that was just one avenue of daily life halakha. And it just happened to be, you know, what do we do with Gentiles? That's what God had to come and fix. You know, I, 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 another way of saying it, out of the 18 edicts of Shemai, most people don't know this, only the last two had anything to do with Gentiles. So, so, so it's not this. It's not that big or right. broad, right? Broad, nonetheless. Nice. But, but, right. But, but the, the point is, we can disagree on this thing, and obviously, God made that emphasize when He came to fix it. But that's only one area that, out of the whole daily life and, the, and all the yeah. different measures, of yeah. thought that that. So, let, so while we can disagree for good reason on this, there's a lot more we can agree on. Well, well, sure. And and. Well, we know full well if if I if I leave the room, it's not kosher now. That's right. I mean, and, and, and imagine now, imagine now, broaden that from beyond food to other implications involved in that. You and I, you and I hold to the same faith. And if you have a holocaust says you can't trust me, that that's that's a huge division. This is why Paul is so concerned about Peter's actions is because it is it will split the community not in two ways but in a multitude of ways it will never be united because this is the bottom line when it comes to Judaism food is huge I'm not talking about the Torah the Torah says in a couple places don't eat this eat this but when it comes to Judaism food is huge and fellowship is almost always over food. You have to have, but it's not just that, hey, look, we can get along because we don't eat together. Because the issue is, no, 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 even if we never eat together, I still can't trust you. Right. Yeah. You know, we've, we've seen it, I've seen it in Messianic congregations, I've seen it in Messianic circles where, where people say, you know, 
I mean, I know that y'all are really careful, whatever else, but no, we can't eat that. Well, why not? It's like kosher. Well, it came off a hexer seal. Yeah, I know, but I don't know your kitchen. It's like, whoa, what are you saying when you say that? That is, that's huge. That's monstrous. That's like, you cheat on your taxes, don't you? I mean, it's an accusation. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean, I would... Forget the taxes, you know. But can I leave? Can I leave my wife in the room with you? Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's bad. It's bad. Now, before you go on, I just want to make sure everybody's clear on my intention is not pick the authority, follow them hook, line, and sinker. That you, everybody realizes I'm not saying that, right? So, I, I want to find the authority that I should follow more often than not. But to your point earlier, it doesn't mean I need to just. What did they say to do? I'll do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put on the blinders. Yeah, I, I did that for seven, for several years in the church. That was a bad idea, Ken. Uh, yes. I think we left one authority off of the Jewish page. Okay. Be the Shulchan. Uh, to to uh, Rick's point, uh, we, we have to go all the way back to the commission that. Shimon was given yes. uh, by the master himself. That's why I asked about uh, the authority of the master in loosing. And then uh, in light of the Galatians passage too in Colossae, we see a sect of Judaism that had a form of mysticism, mysticism in their self-definition and they were judging others with the way that they kept the feast in the set times and the Sabbaths and so on and so forth. And that they had this weird angel worship thing going on. Yeah. Or whatever that was. But uh, we see that uh, also with uh, the uh, meet in the marketplace. That was a halakhic rule that Shaul made that said, you know, don't ask. Which, so, wow. I mean, that's that's a pretty big one. It's major. That's, um, any, any Torah observant Messianic congregation should deal with that one. Don't ask. I mean, not if there's not a seal. Don't ask if there's a seal. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think he was saying don't ask if there's no seal. Um, I would. Again, I think it comes down to trust. When I go over your house, do I trust that you're going to serve me food that's fit? And the answer is yes. I don't even give it a second thought. I mean, your house. It's well, no. I understand that, but I, I think to, to set the example of how we should act. I mean, if, if I go over any of your homes, I'm just going to assume it's fit. And not give it a second thought. I, I don't even want to be troubled with the second thought because, as you pointed out, it really says something nasty about what I think about a fellow believer. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't teach. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't review. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't study. But when it comes down to it, I, I think that you know to, to make it so anal that we can't live together is a problem. Does that mean that we should sin and eat that which is not fit? Well, no. You bring up an interesting point to which I would, I would say that, that just the balance is required in, in everything. To the earlier point about following blindly versus you know, searching the scriptures for, okay, well, why, am I, why am I doing this? Do I not believe it? Almost, almost to the point of just find fine tooth coming for errors, you know, and say, okay, well, you know, I'm, or looking for, okay, what, what's my leader doing that's, you know, not written here, or what's, there, there has to be a balance, 
Where, where are you starting with that, Johnny? Where are you starting with that? When you first got into this walk, I was there. Where'd you start? Started reading the portions. So first, we're going to get the Word of God down and use that as our absolute foundation. Then, what happened? What's those big black boxes you're putting on your arm? Why do you put that, that sheet on your head before we pray? What's up with those, you know, right? Is, I mean, that's, that was your walk. I was there. And you made the decisions based on first the scripture and then on what you had been taught with regard to how we keep some of those things that are described. I would submit that, at least in your case, most of that came from Jewish halakha. I'm trying to use halakha and halakha as equally as I can. <laughs> yes? Well, I, I think the point I was trying to make earlier is there's a, a, de- a, a dilemma in the fact that the Judaism that the Hashlechim are dealing with is different than the Judaism we have you know, a, a day-to-day potential interaction with. In the sense that we've had Jews here and they weren't worried about being in the same room with us. You know, Judaism has adapted being that, that it's in, in, in exile and it's its position to Gentiles has more or less changed, and that is the 85% of the time the Hashlechim are talking about Gentiles. So to understand that the position has changed in the last 2,000 years, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say, I, I, I think I see where you're going. I would say that they certainly made a change because Halal rules now, not Shemai's rulings, but that's just not the case. Right. When it when it comes to some eating practices, but I, I think you're right. There's been a there's been a change in a recognition. Right. I, I think that. And, sorry. The, the, good. What I was going to say though is the fact that as we're looking for and again just me personally and I know my family personally as we're looking for more of that um, uh, authority and we're going towards a rabbinic authority, it, it, uh, the future may not be that big of an issue whether or not they're going to eat with us or not. As long as they can observe and watch according to their own Shulchan Aruch, it'll be good enough for them. Yeah. So at that point, again, there isn't there isn't a big difference. So now they're not going to come eat at my home now. So because we, it's, Baruch Hashem, our family's progressing in that. Aspect. Yeah. So 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 that kind of so in, in other words, the biggest difference is now a Gadik, not so much Halakic. Right. Um, I guess what I want to walk away from tonight is. Where are you going to get 80% from? What's going to be the primary source? Is it going to be the Jewish authority? Is it going to be the Gentile authority? Or is it going to be yourself? Because those are the only three. So where are you going to start? And I, I don't think it's any secret, right? I think we should start with the Jewish authority. And we should, I don't, I don't, I don't know of a better way to say it, but maybe take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to, lay out a couple of questions for you before the night is out to say if that's a good way to start this doesn't violate the word of God it doesn't nullify the word of God what's wrong with it? I know, pain in the neck but what's wrong with it if it brings unity? it causes us to be identified more with greater Israel it doesn't deny Yeshua I mean, I mean the things that, that Rick put in, you know, at the bottom of every single chapter in the traditions thing, right? It really did get a little old reading that every single chapter. That was and I know. Great right question. They were. Romans chapter 3. What is the manifestation of Jesus? What is the benefit of circumcision? Right in every respect. 
first of all, right. that they were entrusted with the Lord of God. Right. So, my um, is that God gave the Torah, entrusted the Torah and the, and the rest of the oracles to the Jews, knowing that they're not for the Jews only, right? The Torah is for all mankind, all scriptures for the benefit of all mankind. But he entrusted it to the Jews and gave them a mandate to go and be a light Absolutely. to the rest of the Goyim. Amen. Right? And so, uh, and so, we cannot sweep that fact under the, under the rug. And there's a reason why uh, why Christianity even has, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. The only reason the church even knows certain passages are even talking about the Messiah is because that understanding <laughs> came from the sages. From, from Judaism and from Hazal and so forth. Amen. We couldn't even read the Hebrew if we didn't have the 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 Masoretic, that's right. The Masoretic text. So, if we are trying to understand the scriptures that are for the benefit of all mankind, but came to and through and are entrusted to God's people, yeah. then it seems natural to me that we should look first, not exclusively, but we should look first to them for specifically on the halakhic well, that, And that's all I'm talking about tonight, is the halakhic matters. But the um, theological matters, they're, in my view, they're not really the focus of the disagree with you. Um, while you're on the Romans 3 passage, you guys might want to take a look at this in the apostolic writings. Um, Paul talks about the scriptures a lot. Paul talks about the scriptures, the Tanakh and so forth, more than any other apostolic writer. Of course, he wrote more than any other apostolic writer. You know, talk about a long-winded fella. Um, but it is interesting, if you look at his use of words, including the words that he actually made up out of whole cloth, by just mashing a couple of words together. Um, it is interesting that the phrase he chose to use there was not the words of God. It wasn't the scriptures from God. It was the oracles of God, which I know you hate to hear this, actually includes everything that God said, not just what was written down. It really is kind of scary, and it gives you the chill bumps if you want to look at it that way. Yes, sir? I, I don't disagree with, with what you're saying with regard to tradition uh, and, and authority. The, I suppose to me the issue is uh, 
um, perceived authority, the, the, the idea of a perceived authority, or that I can choose an authority. Uh, an example is if, if the kid next door comes over and goes, I place myself under your authority, you go, go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, you can think you're under my authority, but you're not. You know, these are the rules for my house and my house. Okay, I see where and you're going. People in your house are going, they're not saying, well, I don't want to follow your rules. Uh, <laughs> that, awesome. That's not an option. That's not an option. So, and, and they're not saying, you know, I like the way that family does it better. To me, uh, and, and the same thing applies actually to civil authority. And, you know, we don't have a choice which laws we should obey and which we shouldn't. Good. I don't think that's a good one. And I like, right. I like Canada's law in this regard a little bit better. <laughs> You know, I mean, when you start looking at it that way, it makes it look like authority really is a hard and fast thing. It's an all or nothing thing. Okay. And and uh, and in particular, the notion that uh, Judaism says, not only does this authority not, or not only do you uh, 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 not understand this authority, this is not for you. You can't come near us. Stay away. Um, and almost without exclusion. And I'm not. Obviously, there are some. And we and we've seen the gray areas. Sure. Some people in authority, some rabbis say, okay, well, we'll take you kind of, you know, or whatever, and you have questions, we'll give you your answers. Right. But choosing an authority almost, the idea that you can choose an authority almost negates that it is an authority. I, I hear where you're going, but I would, I would, I would say, and I, I think, I don't know that I disagree with it, but I see where you're going. But my thought is, like Ruth... I, I would assume, like Caleb, although somebody challenged me. Exactly. And, and yet, we see that even though the sages say, if you don't follow the Holocaust, you have no place in the world to come. That's what they say. But what's the reality? They're arguing left and right about how it's going to be. Now, you know, this many ammo, no, that many ammo. Okay. So, I'm not saying that we should pick and choose the authority. I guess I am saying, if you look at the three authorities and you're confused about them, it appears that there's only one that's legitimate, and we should put ourselves under that authority. The question is, as Gentiles... As believers in Messiah, we may have, perhaps, maybe the opportunity or the responsibility to check the authority, just as we would if we were Jews, just as the Jews did. Ah, 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 hang on. Got a younger man. Stand by. Perhaps, yeah, if I understand where you're coming from, I've been puzzling over this myself, that it is kind of interesting how when you look at something like the Shulchan Aruch and just like the oral Torah itself, in order encoded in all that is the fact that you have to be Jewish in order to do that. You can't do it if you're a Gentile. Just like Rabbi David Lappin mentioned the thing about Shabbat. I mean, it's actually bad if you do. So you have to either become a Jew by conversion according to the halakha of the Jew or you don't do it at all if, if you're going to submit to them as an authority. And so I just... Like uh, you can't do it. 
I mean, no, even if you kept a kosher kitchen, according to the Shulchan Aruch, absolutely perfectly, just the fact that you were a Gentile unconverted right. wouldn't do anything. They would be like, no, it's all right, yeah. And so it's just like, well, so you have to yeah. do one before any of them. But I'm not doing it, so they'll eat with me. The notion of choosing, I have a different view on that, because I, my current view, is that we do choose who, whose authority we're going to submit to, including, including at some level, I know there's, you know, go down the whole path of art, we choose us to do whatever. But at some point, I am choosing, you know, the, the secular person who's on the street who has no concern about anything pertaining to godliness or God, right, he is not submitted to, to God's authority. I didn't, right? I didn't say so, submit, I said to, to pick and choose who, whose authority you're going to be under. I mean, there's a difference between the legitimate authority versus who you choose to obey. See, the, the criminal is under the government's authority, whether they choose to obey them or not. No, I, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, but I guess my point was, we do choose who we're going to obey. To. I believe, I agree yeah. that I, I choose who I'm going to obey. The question is, do I obey, do, do I obey those in authority over me, or do I obey those in authority over another country? For instance, laws. I, I like Canada's laws. Can I live under those now? Can I choose Canada's laws? Can I move to Canada? Yes. Ah, that's my point. That's exactly my point. But I don't get to pick and choose between, okay, for this I'll keep American, and for this I'll keep Canada. So I guess the question... Yeah, so I guess the, you know, did you raise your hand? Just out of Matthew, I understand. Regards to 28, I love the one when Yeshua says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says... And, and prior to that, having alluded to that same thing, he gives them the ability to bind and loose or to make halakhic decisions on, them, on their own. Um, I, I want to make sure we're not getting wrapped up with the word that I chose in this. Maybe if the screen instead of said, who is the authority, it said, to whom will you submit? Or to whom will you look to for guidance as to how to walk, maybe uh, guidance to me is a different word than authority. Yeah, well, that's a guidance is a guidance to me. Yeah. There's absolutely no question. We, we we have to look to the guidance that's closest to what the scripture says, which, which is Jewish. Okay, um, so because when you use the word authority, you're implying authoritative, meaning that it's absolutely that's it. You're implying like punishment. That's Which right. is sort of what I was saying when I asked the question earlier. Yeah. Is you're either looking at suggestions or rules. You know? That's, I think, part of what makes it so confusing. Okay. Let's take a break on confusing and come back and, uh, and flesh this out then from that perspective. And I'd still like an answer to the question that's on the screen. And then we'll look at the other question of to whom will we look to for guidance, for wisdom, for halakhic decisions, and so forth. And that may actually be a different question. Good. Let's take a break.